We've been at, we're in week three of this series we kicked off this year called Better. Because I know, I don't even have to, everyone in this room has it got at least one thing that you would like to be better this year than it was last year. Amen? Yeah. I'll tell you what, let's do a little survey. I'm going to call out some things. And if you say, yeah, man, I, I, I want that to be better. Hey, just let, let me know. Let me know. And some of you, go ahead and be prepared to keep your hand up the whole time. Uh, that's what, me, that's me. I'm, all, I'm like, yeah, I need every one of those. But, but let's find out where we're at. Maybe you say, you know what, in 2024, I want things to be better financially. I'm tired of struggling, trying, tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I want to actually get ahead. Come on, yeah, okay. Uh, what about this one? Relationships. You say there's some relationships I want to see God heal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about this? Marriage. Maybe you say my marriage is not. I know some of y'all are like, I don't know why. Here's the thing. If you're married, even if you've got a great marriage, men, the thing, best thing to do is say, I want a better marriage. <laughs> I've got, it's great. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We got a great marriage. I want it better. Uh, what about this? You want, you want your, your walk with Jesus to be better. Man, every Christian should, yeah. Want it better. What about this one? Health. I'd like for my health to be better. Here's why I ask that. I believe every one of those areas and more are tied to our spiritual health. Tied to our spiritual health. And if we're not healthy spiritually, it's hard for us to get healthy in these other areas. And I don't want to go there. Stay focused, Kelly. Stay focused. And that's why we started this year out, though, with a time of intentional prayer and fasting. Hey, let's get focused. Let's get. And then we talked about, hey, why we need to love people like Jesus loved us, even though the people he's asking us to love are hard to love. Come on. And, and why that's important. So he, here's where we're going to be today is... Um, Psalm 46, and we're going to talk about being still. Being still. And we'll dive more into it. I want to read Psalms 46, 1 through 11. Then we're going to come back to it here in a few. This is the NIV version. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The God of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Selah, come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The God of angel armies is on our side. And the God of Jacob fights for us. Selah. Amen. Denise and I got a text a couple Fridays ago. Uh, 
it was on that Friday, you know, it snowed on Monday and what Casey called last week, Snowmageddon had come in and everybody was, everybody was snowed in. If you didn't have a four wheel drive, life wasn't really good for you. Uh, or if you were way up on a hill, uh, it, it, life wasn't good for you. But uh, here's what the text read that we got. One thing that this snow has shown is that people do not know how to be still. The only time I've seen more complaining on Facebook is during election season. For some reason, this text just kept, hit, kept hitting me, kept hitting me. And the Holy Spirit began speaking to me about our inability to be still. We're not good at being still. Come on. We're not good at just relaxing. And listen, I am preaching to myself today because last Sunday, I did not want to call off church at all. I mean, I'm like, here's my attitude now. This is your pastor being honest. I'm like, by God, if they can go to Walmart, they can get out and come to church. And, uh, but cooler heads prevailed. And, uh, and then when I got up here, I'm like, man, people can make it up here. I'm on the, I'm like, Hey, Hey, if you want to come, we're going to be here. And I'm going to tell you, if you, if you didn't watch last Sunday message, pastor Casey nailed it. It was a powerful message, but I, I, I'm not good at being still. And I mean, even if we're sitting at home in our favorite recliner or on the couch, our minds aren't still. Think about this. We can be sitting at home, watching a movie, watching a TV, and without even being aware of it, next thing we know, we've got our phone and we're scrolling. We're scrolling. We're, 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 going through, we're playing a game. Because our minds cannot be still. There's something about this culture where we have to constantly be moving, constantly be doing something. Anybody remember when the bathroom used to be a safe place to go? You could go in there and sit for a few minutes, downtime. And, and, I mean, if you got kids and those little fingers start coming out of the door, you know, you know what I mean. And, and if you wanted to read something, what'd you do? You grab, hey, oh, this shampoo, let me see what that, what's in that. You start, you know. But now, you get them to go to the bathroom. If you get halfway there and realize, I forgot my phone, you go back, get your phone, then you go back, then you go to the bathroom. Come on. But why? Because we have a hard time just being still. My wife, Denise, and I'm not going to look at her. <laughs> she is not good at being still at all. At all. She has a hard time just hitting the pause button, even at home. And, and I remember when our kids were, were, were at home growing up, we'd be saying, hey, babe, come on, just sit down and enjoy a movie with us. Hey, sit down and enjoy, just chill with us. And, and, and she's cleaning, she's doing this. And at some point in that conversation, Denise would say, do you think I enjoy cleaning all the time? Do you think I enjoy all this? To which myself or one of the kids would reply, yes, we actually do think you enjoy cleaning and doing all that stuff. So hey, don't look at her, don't look at her. I'll say this, she's gotten a lot better, but she still has a hard time hitting pause. This, we get in the, this morning, at two this morning, I stop and get the mail, bring it in, throw it on the table. I'm trying to get ready for bed. I look up, Denise is going through the mail. 
I said, babe, the, it'll be there tomorrow. Well, I'm just seeing if there's anything important. I said, and if there is anything important, what are you going to do at 2 in the morning? <laughs> so, we're just not good at being still. And I re really believe the Holy Spirit began to speak to me that this is an area we must cultivate and get better at. Being still, we've got to learn to be still. Any, come on, anybody else admit you're not good being still? You're not good relaxing. Well, I've, I've got good news for you and bad news. Which one do you want first? Bad news, you're not alone. The good news, you're not alone. <laughs> now, uh, hardly any of us, whether you work a job that requires you to work 70 hours a week or you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, Man, it's tough to just hit pause. And get this, the statistics. Americans work longer hours than any other country in the world. Americans. Well, PK, I've got bills to pay. I've got a family to support. I've got kids to put through school. I've got, got to put food on the table. And I could go on and on. And, and have you ever heard some, somebody say something? Oh, Kelly, be nice. Um, as idiotic and stupid as this, well, I would rest if I didn't have to go work and I could just stay home with the kids. If you hear somebody say, say that, I believe Holy Spirit would say, thou shalt slap them. Why? Get this. Salary.com did a survey a few years back of 15,000 stay-at-home moms. They found that the average stay-at-home mom worked about 98 hours a week. That's the equivalent to two full-time jobs. Somebody's excited about all that work. Listen, if you're a stay-at-home mom and dad, mom or dad, my hat is off to you. I would rather crawl through glass naked than have to be a stay-at-home dad. I'm just saying. Babe, what's funny about that? <laughs> Let's pause. <laughs> Just be still for a minute. Be still for a minute. But back to the text. Back to surround us back in. The text said, one thing that this snow has shown is that people do not know how to be still. And it taken me back to a word that gets used a lot in the Psalms. In fact, the Psalms we just read had it at least three times. Selah. Some pronounce it Selah. The pronunciation of the word is not what's important. It's what the word actually means. Yeah, the Selah, Selah gets used 74 times throughout the entire Bible. Only three of those times is it not used in Psalms. Those three other three times are in Habakkuk. But here's what Selah means. To praise, to lift up, throw up, or exalt, to pause. And here's where I want to focus in. An invitation to pause. I believe God has been giving us an invitation to pause. But we are so busy, we can't hear it or see it. I believe it. With that in mind, what Salem means, let's read again Psalms 46. 
God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gave, gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surgery, Selah, pause in his presence. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The God of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Selah paws in his presence. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The God of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Selah, let's pause in his presence. Come on, church. I believe that is the word for us right now with everything that is going on in our country and us going into election season. We, before we say anything, before we post anything, we need to learn how to sailor. Just pause in his presence. Say, pause, pause. Here's the thing. Worrying about it isn't going to change it. Complaining about it isn't going to change it. Working harder, pushing, working longer hours is just going to make you exhausted and frustrated. Here's what Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest and wealthiest man in, the, in, in, in our time. Here, look, look what he says. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Look at this. Even at night, their minds do not rest. I wonder how many of you that describes you. Your minds don't even rest. Even at night, can't shut, you can't shut it off. It's going on. I mean, you can be out, be out on a date with your wife or your girl or boyfriend. You can be out with your kids or some friends, but you just can't shut it off. It's going. The mind is going. And here's the thing, I, I believe we can all agree that, yeah, our bodies do need rest. What about our souls? Our souls. Hey, you don't know what the soul is. The soul is, is this. It's made up of our mind, will, and emotions. That's our soul. Our soul needs rest. I would argue probably more than our bodies need rest. Because we can't turn it off. So how do we find rest for our soul? Guys, this is one that's easy. There's only one place. There's only, if you're taking notes, my soul finds rest in God alone. That's it. That is the only place. We, we can try to find rest in our hobbies. We can try to find rest in going on vacation or taking a break. We can try to find rest in, in a pill, in a bottle, in sex. We can try to find rest. But here's the bottom line. Our souls can only find rest in God alone. That's it. Da David knew this. Look what he says in Psalm 62.1. My soul finds rest where? Come on, Watts Bar, where? 
and my salvation comes from him. Do do you know what David was dealing with when he wrote this Psalms that said my soul finds rest in God alone and my salvation comes from him? Most theologians say that David wrote this when he was running from his own son Absalom who was trying to kill him and take over the throne. And in the middle of that, a middle of betrayal, in the middle of his own son trying to take him out, David finds time to pause in God's presence. He says, my soul only finds rest in God because I've come to this conclusion that me worrying about it isn't going to change it. Me complaining about it isn't going to change it. Me trying to come up with a better strategic plan. No, I've come to understand this. Here's my strategic plan. My salvation comes from God alone. There's no person, no experience, no amount of money. Our souls can only find a rest in God. St. Augustine said it like this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. Mm. Look what Jesus says, Matthew 11, 28, 29. This is Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your soul. Your soul. That's some of you right now. You're weary. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are heavy. You're tired. You're overwhelmed. You're stressed out. Not just physically, but where it matters most, your soul. Your mind, will, and emotions. That's why some of you are short with your spouse, short with your kids. And you wonder why. Because your soul is tired. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, overwhelmed, stressed out, and I'll give you rest. Selah, pause in my presence. So how do we find rest for our souls? How do we find rest in God if that's the only way it can find rest? I, I want to give you, I think, three ways to find rest. Here's where it starts. We got to learn to be still before God. Be still. Again, we've already talked about it. We're not good at being still. We're not good. Society and culture or how we were brought up tells us go, 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 go. Anybody raised with the mentality, hey, the early bird gets the worm? Meaning, hey, you got to get it. You got to get it. And for a lot of us, one of the hardest things God could ever ask for us to do is just to be still. In fact, we'd prefer if God had said, hey, stay busy and know that I am God. Hey, be productive and know that I'm God. Get stuff done and know that I'm God. But he says, be still. God, do you see what I got going on? I don't have time to be still. He says, be still and know that I'm God. That be still, those two words in the Hebrew, they come from one word, rafah. I love this meaning. It means to sink down into to relax, to let go. What's he saying? Hey, be still, sink down into me. Relax, let it go. See, this is not just talking about some kind of head knowledge. 
No, it's something where you settle it in your soul. It's an intimate knowledge of who God is. God says, be still, relax, let go, sink down into me, pause in my presence, and know that I am still God. I'm still on the throne. I still have the whole world in my hands. Well, the psalmist said in Psalms 131-2, surely I have stilled and quieted my soul. I have. The psalmist says, I've stilled. Here's why I'm harping on that. Because the 40 to 45 minutes of me preaching every week does not compare to the preaching you do to yourself on a daily basis. See, a lot of you, man, you, you're preaching messages to yourself every day. You need to change the message you're preaching. Come on. That means sometimes you have to steal and quiet your soul. The psalmist said, I have. The psalmist doesn't say, hey, I waited for a call from my pastor. Hey, I waited for a friend to call me. I waited for a night of worship like we had this past Wednesday night when I could get out. No, he says, listen, I saw it coming. I sensed it. So I quieted and stilled my soul. One of the best and most important disciplines we can learn every day is to quiet our soul and take five minutes, just five minutes to be alone with God. Five minutes to pause his presence. And here's the truth. I love to get up here and say, guys, this is easy. Come on, get it together, do it. Just do it. But the truth is, you have to be very intentional about it or you're not going to do it. Because the enemy is always going to throw some kind of distractions your way. You said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do uh, five minutes. I just want to take five minutes to just some, be sailor. I'm going to pause in his presence. Well, before you know it, you're, you've sat down. Baby diapers need to change. Laundry needs to be done. Oh, I got emails that need to be answered. I got to get kids to practice. I got to go get groceries. I got to check my status on Facebook or Instagram. Here's the thing, if you want those certain areas that you raise your hand to be better in 2024, you're going to have to start being intentional about being still and pausing in his presence. Kelly, I really don't have time to be still and pause in his presence. I would say you can't afford not to be still and pause in his presence. The second thing the Bible teaches us if we want to find rest for ourselves, we need to learn to wait for God. Wait. Okay, if there was something that, we would, that God would ask us to do that's harder than being still, it's waiting. Does anybody here, you say, you know what? I, I'm okay with waiting. I, I, I don't mind waiting. Anybody? What? Really? Hey, it's not a dialogue, or it's not a back and forth. Just, I appreciate it. He's waiting for his hair to turn another color besides that gray hair he's got. So he's been waiting a while. But the truth is, we, and, and I had one of the guys this morning, he said, he said when you said waiting, he said, I, he, said I, he was in the service for years. And he says, I was used to waiting and watching a target. He said, if it took days. And I think... 
There's a difference between learning to wait like that and waiting at a red light. Waiting for your food to get to your table or waiting on God. Waiting on God. Anybody admit you can be a little impatient? Yeah, yeah. Even when we pray for patience, God, give me patience and give it to me now. Look at what the psalmist said in Psalms 37, 7. Be still before the Lord. Look at this. Wait patiently for him. Wait patiently. Be still. Relax. Sink down and wait for God. I love so, Someone asked Andy Stanley this question. It says, Andy, how do you stay really close to God? A few years back, and regardless of what your thoughts are about Andy Stanley, this answer is, is so good. He said this, I wake up early every day so I don't have to worry about the time. And I just open up God's word and I start to read his word and I wait for something to speak to me. And then when it speaks to me, I just stop and I meditate on what God said. Sometimes it might be one verse. I just read one verse and then I'm done and that's it. Sometimes it's a chapter. Sometimes it might be five chapters, but I just keep reading and I wait until God speaks to me and then I just let his word be planted deep within my soul. I love that. I just open up the word. I be still. I pause in his presence and allow the word to begin to speak to me. I love the Bible reading apps. I, I do. In, in fact, uh, we, we, uh, if, you, if you're one of my friends on, on the Bible app, uversion.com, we're starting a new reading plan tomorrow. We've already done one. We'll start another. We're going to do short ones throughout the year. But here's what I found. If I'm not careful, I can read it just to check something off my list. Come on. Anybody else be honest? Just, just check it off your list. And in the process, I'm not still, and I don't let his word speak to me. See, his word, the Bible says it's alive and active. It will speak to us if we will just slow down, take time, pause in his presence. I encourage you, put, it, put on some worship music. I, I put on, I've got this, uh, it's called soaking music. Because when I put on worship music with words, the words mess with me. Because I'm thinking about the words and then I'm trying to pray. It just, but this soaking music, that's just music. And man, I just get along with God. And I begin to see, hear what he says. Quiet your mind. Open up his word. Wait on me. Check, check out Psalms 135 and 6. This is so good. Psalmist says, I wait for the Lord. Look at this. My soul waits. And look where he finds his hope. In his word, I put my hope. Some of you don't have a lot of hope because you're not allowing his word to daily influence your life. The only, the only time you open up the word is when you're in a desperate need. Oh, God, speak to me. Oh, God, speak to me. What would happen if it was a daily thing? And that daily word began to speak to you and breathed hope into you every day. Man, what, what, you know, Julie prayed over discouragement. 
I wonder what would happen if daily we let his word encourage us and build that hope. I'm telling you, it's important that the psalmist says, I put my hope in his word. And then he says this, verse 6, my soul waits for the Lord how? More than the watchman for the morning. And he says that again. More than the watchman for the morning. Why does he say it like that? See, in, in this time, and in, in this era, the watchman is the one that would stand on the wall. And he'd watch throughout the night. He kept watch throughout the night for enemies that might try to come in. And he would watch until he saw the sun began to come up and the morning rise. And then he would know my watch is over. Here's why I say that. This needs to be the expectation that we live in. As sure as the sun comes up, my God's going to show up. Are you hearing me? I know things may not look great right now. I know the doctor's report may not look great. I know my marriage is struggling. I know I'm still struggling with staying clean. I know all that. But I also know this. As sure as the sun comes up every day, my God is going to show up for me. We wait on God with that kind of expectancy, church. We wait on Him. We wait knowing that God is going to show up. The third way to find a rest for ourselves. We need to learn to meditate on God's goodness. Meditate. Anybody have this problem where you set, you, you're intentional, I'm going to set this time aside. I'm going to press pause in his presence. But then you find yourself, instead of meditating on the goodness of God, you're meditating on everything else that needs to be done. Or you're meditating on some negative things. Your mind begins to remind you of different things. And if I'm, I, I'm honest, listen, there are a lot of times, and I think if you're honest, it's just easier for my mind, my mind to med meditate on all the bad stuff that's going on. It's easier for my mind to, to meditate on things that didn't go my way. Or, or didn't turn out. And, and if we're not careful in, in the process of allowing those things to come into our mind, what we do is we push those to the front of our mind and then we push the goodness of God when God did show up, gets pushed to the back of our minds. And then what we do, we throw ourselves a big pity party. I've done it. I still have occasions where I die. I, I'm being honest. But guys, what would change in our lives, in our families? If the moment we recognized the enemy trying to come in and change us from where we're meditating on the goodness of God, he's trying to get us to meditate on all this other stuff that's going on in our lives. What if we stopped, quieted our soul, and we took time to pause in his presence and just meditate on what God has done in our lives? Guys, he's been good. He's been good. It's easy to get distracted. I think the psalmist in Psalms 116, that's why he wrote when he was noticing all these distractions, all these negative places in his mind trying to take him uh, different places. He said this, Psalms 116, 7 through 9. 
He says, hey, return to your rest, my soul. For the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Did, did you hear it? Let me read it from the message. Maybe, maybe this will speak better to you. I said to myself, relax and rest. God has showered you with blessings. So you've been rescued from death. I, you've been rescued from tears. And you foot, you were kept from stumbling. And I love this. I'm striding in the presence of God, alive in the land of the living. He says, when I, when I notice all the negative, I, I can get carried away. I have to stop and say, so... Remember, you've been rescued from death. Hey, eyes, remember, you've been rescued from a lot of tears. Hey, feet, remember, you've been rescued from a lot of times you've stumbled. Remember. Man, I, wanna, I, I want us to close out, if I get Bubba to come on up, with the Psalms that we started out with this message with, Psalms 46. This Psalms was written during wartime for David. Jehoshaphat, it is the reign of Jehoshaphat and the kingdoms of Moab, Ammon, and Edom were coming. They were coming hard against Israel. And in the middle of wartime, and his enemies coming after him, David penned these words. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find a refuge. You're proven help in time of trouble. You're more than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will not fear even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar, roar of stormy winds and crashing waves, get this, they cannot erode our faith in you. Some of you need to get that. Even the storms, even when things aren't going my way, even when the doctor's report doesn't turn out like I, even if something, that's not going to erode my faith in you, God. Pause in his presence. Verse 4, God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of God most high into his holy dwelling places. God is in the midst of his city, secure and never shaken. At daybreak, his help will be seen with the appearing of dawn. Of the dawn. When the nations are in uproar with their tottering kingdoms, God simply raises his voice and the earth begins to disintegrate before him. Here he comes, the commander, the mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Paul's in his presence. Pause. And he continues. Everyone look. Come and see the breathtaking wonders of our God. For he brings, good, look at this, both ruin and revival. Oh, I, I'm, I'm just, let's move. He's the one who makes conflicts end throughout the earth, breaking and burning every weapon of war. Surrender your anxiety. 
Be silent. Stop your striving. And you will see that I am God. I am the God above all nations. And I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. Here he stands. The commander. The mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. And the God of Jacob fights for us. Pause in his presence. Be still. Pause in his presence. Why? Because he's still in control. He still has the whole world in his hands. In the middle of wartime, the psalmist stops and begins to meditate on God's goodness. Can we just take some time to meditate on his goodness? If you need help reflecting, let me help you. Goodness of God has forgiven you time and time and time again. The goodness of God has been faithful to you even when you've been faithless. His relentless love reached out to you when you wanted nothing to do with Him. His grace has been unrelentless in overwhelming you with it. You may have stumbled, but what about all the times he kept you from falling all the way down? Come on. What about this? He's not holding your sins against you. Oh, man. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He goes before us, fights our battles. He is the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Get this. He is so big that he works all things, even the junk in your life, even the mess you've made of your life. He is so big, he works those things for your good. See, God doesn't want you to go through life all knotted up, stressed out, overwhelmed. That's why it's an invitation to pause in his presence. Listen, if you think, well, it seems the world is getting more and more evil, it's because it is. It is. And you may be drained physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, but he's still in control. Can we just take a moment to see?